The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a Fantasy NBA Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller, who has sent a ridiculous amount of Cam Reddish trades this morning. Yeah, Cam Reddish having a huge game last night. Hope it's something to look forward to with him and that Hawks team, but but we'll see. I'm, I'm going to try and sell high if I can. But Yeah, uh, real quick, is he inside your top 50 or just inside your top 60? Oh, uh, <laughs> Top 75. Let's kind of, okay, yeah. let's, let's, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> That's reasonable. Before we get started today, we just want to take a second and thank you guys for all of the support we've seen. We've received the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. You guys have blown our expectations out of the water. You're a bunch of maniacs that love dynasty as much as we do. Uh, we thought for the first couple episodes of this, we'd pretty much just be talking to ourselves and you guys have, really spread the word on this, gotten us a lot bigger of an audience than we thought and just uh, can't thank you enough. And as a way to express that thanks, we're doing our very first trade mailbag. So we have our boy Ralph sent a trade in. He's in a 30 team real salary league. He's a rebuilding team. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a chance of competing and he knows that he has Onyeka Okongwu and a 2022 first that'll be seventh to 14th, depending on how everything shakes out for Killian Hayes. Now, Travis, what do you think about that deal? Yeah. So first thing first, I mean, a 30 team league, when, when we're on here discussing uh, most of our trades, ranks, things like that, we're, we're mainly used to more of the 12 team league, Yeah, uh, but we're, we are getting into a 30 team league. So we, we're going to get that perspective. We're going to become a little bit more accustomed to those bigger 20, 30 team leagues. We that I know a, lo- a lot of you listeners because are. you guys sent us so many 30 team questions and we had so many people asking about 30 teams like, okay, well we got to be in one to have a better idea of what it, we're talking about. And we think we know, and we think we're, we're kind of up to date, but we're going to, we're going to dive in and we're going to get, like I said, a better perspective for what uh, those questions that you guys are asking us. So th- this is great. Love this question here. Um, and this trade offer personally, I think when you sent this to me, I, I immediately said no. And the, and the reason that is, is I'm a huge fan of Okongu first off and last season, Hayes and Okongu, I can't imagine they were drafted maybe two, three spots away from each other. Both in top that first six, round. almost certainly. Yep. And, and Hayes didn't really show much either to, to make you think that he's going to be head and shoulders a better player than Okongu. And I, I love Okongu's fantasy game. I think if we look five, ten years down the road, I could easily see Okongu having a much better career than Hayes. Uh, but but the big thing is, is you have to be patient with him. And and that's huge. That's, that's why we ask all these questions and we need to know more of the context of just the trade in general. We, it's, it's a lot more than just player A and pick for player B. And yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that as, as well as anybody is what's your build, where are you at? Are you competing? Are you rebuilding? And I, I didn't like this trade to begin with um, just in a vacuum. I would have kept Okanwu in that, in that mid first, especially in a 30 team league. But then you look at the team and I think it's just a no brainer to hang on to uh, the, the pick and Okongwu. 
there's actually an argument to be made right now with the playoff run that Okungwu had because he looked great. He was defending Giannis and like holding his own in a way that very few people can, let alone rookies. And then obviously Detroit just won the lottery, and so they're getting Cade Cunningham. There's an argument to be made where Okungwu could actually have more value than Killian Hayes moving forward. And so I personally don't think that that's the case. I think Hayes is going to be a good fantasy player, and I think that the stat set that Hayes will bring, uh, especially with the minutes that he's going to get versus Okongwu, at least in the short term, is just going to be valuable. But adding another first, especially as a rebuilding team where you can afford to be patient, you just keep the assets you have. Uh, Killian Hayes is not one of those elite dynasty assets that you go out and get. Like if it was, if it was somebody Lamelo, Cade, uh, anything like that, those elite guys, those top thirty dynasty assets are top 15 in both of those cases but those are the guys that if you're a rebuilding team you send whatever you can and get them because they're still young enough to matter but they fit your timeline a whole lot better so we we gave him feedback on that and then he sent us another one so we got bonus trade talks it was okungwu and the number 16 pick this year for Miles Bridges. And now I'm going to go inside, probably take about 10, 15 minutes while Trav talks about Miles Bridges. <laughs> so uh, you go ahead. Yeah, just go take your, have yourself a little cat nap. Yeah, don't we'll worry be, about uh, me. We'll be back in 15. But what, so this was another one. You immediately, you, you said the first one for Hayes. And I was just like, nah, that's, I think that's all I said. Uh, yeah. You got to keep it's a like, eh, They're about that timeline. Yeah. yeah. This one, when you sent it right away, I was like, yes, get Bridges. That's my dude. Yep. We talked about him in the last pod about the way he finished the season, the mm-hmm. opportunity that I think he's going to get this year, whether it's coming off the bench or starting with more of that small ball five that Charlotte could potentially run if they can't find a, a center this, this off season. But I, I like bridges. I think he's really explosive player, but then again, you said, and just immediately all my thoughts change. And that's why, again, it, it's so important to, to understand all the variables within a trade. And no offense to Ralph's team whatsoever, but he, it's just not a, a smart move for him to be getting a player like Bridges at this point in time. He needs to collect picks. And like I, I, I said, I think Okongu is going to be a really good player. It's just can you wait three to four years? Can you wait out Capella's stint in Atlanta And Ralph definitely has the time to do that. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Right. That's the, that's the thing when it comes to rebuilding teams, and that's one of the hardest parts about it is Miles Bridges is 23. He will turn 24 in 
looks like nine months or something like that. Okongwu is not even 21 yet. And we know his value is very suppressed right now with Clint Capella and even John Collins to an extent. So you, if you're going to be trading away Okongwu, it has to be because you can't afford to be patient to wait those three years. But with a team like Ralph's, and he knew that he said he he wasn't feeling super great about it after we reinforced that. He's like, yeah, that that makes sense. I understand that. So he knows his team isn't good. So we're not just completely trashing on him <laughs> for no reason. It's a rebuilding team. You're doing it for a reason. And Okungwu is one of the pieces I think that is very important to have if you have a team that you know you're not going to be contending in the next three years or so. And and that's all it is with Okungwu. It's it's basically can can you wait three years to to see him slowly start to reach his potential? And if you can't, if if you don't want to, if you're a little impatient, then maybe this this is overall a pretty good move. I I would say to get um, to give up 16 and and a Kongu for Bridges, not yeah. bad. But I, I I would just wait. I, I really do like a Kongu's game long term. Absolutely. So. That kind of gets us a little bit into the theme of this pod, and it is one that we have been extremely excited about doing. When we we came up with the – we didn't come up with the idea of doing this podcast, but when we talked about doing it, we made a list of things we wanted to talk about, and this was the very first one we put at the top. So we're extremely yep. excited to bring this to you, and that is general team building with with punting in there and and just what you need to be looking at when it comes to dynasty team building. Yeah, absolutely. I believe this was at the top of the list when we were starting to get ideas of what yeah. kind of episodes we want to do. And I mean, really, that's where the the podcast name came into play was just how important punting can be. And you almost have to do it in any eight cat, nine cat league in order to be competitive. We are very intentionally punting. Like the punt is very intended, especially for <laughs> this episode. So one of the first things that I like to talk about with this is that when you when you start drafting a team, you almost always want to have – you just want to take the best players available for the first couple rounds because that's where you're going to get the most of your value. That's your best players. And if you start reaching early, you're just losing value for – for no reason when you don't necessarily have to decide on a punt, but there are a few players that you, as soon as you take them, you are punting <laughs> one thing or another. And those players, I think maybe two, three, maybe in the first round of a dynasty startup, Giannis and Zion are immediately punt free throws and punt threes. And then I think probably Trey, maybe LaMelo are punt field goal. And, I'm going to talk about punt free throws and threes quite a bit because that's my build in the 12 team league that we are most invested in, but it's also the build of the team that I'm doing a mock draft for right now. <laughs> Cause I had pick four and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I get to do, I get to get towns and do something different. And Nope. I got Giannis, which is still great, but I just filled my queue with the guys I knew I was going to draft for the next 10 rounds. And so far I have not had to move off of that queue yet. <laughs> and I'm on pick 13. <laughs> it, it has become your bill. I think you just have a spreadsheet saved somewhere. Oh yeah. For, I just have for like, the punt, free throw punt three bill. You've got, you've got all these <laughs> rankings. I just black out everybody that doesn't matter to me. It's like, I don't care about buddy healed. I don't care about Malik Beasley. I don't care like just all the way down the list. I don't care about three at all, but so 
that's not how you want to do it always. You don't want to completely forget about specific categories. You just want to make sure you build around the strengths of your best players. Yep. And, and I want to kind of tell my story for those that may be new to Dynasty or are having a, maybe they're doing a startup within the next few months uh, before the season starts because I, in all intents and purposes, didn't really have a good idea on how to build a team, um, what I needed to punt. I had done a, mainly came from a redraft background, obviously knew a lot about the NBA, enjoyed watching it. So I knew what players were good, things like that. But when it comes to a nine cat or eight cat league, I really didn't have a general, I guess, a good grasp on what I needed to do. I thought I did, but I didn't. And and I, it was the league that Rhett was mentioning, the, a 12-team league. I took over as an, an orphan team and a pretty dang good one at that. I uh, yeah. had a lot of quality players on it. Um, and it's the reason I chose that team and got into that league because I thought, you know what? I got a lot of young guys and I'm going to go in there and compete right away. This is just a win-win right here. So I ran my numbers, um, and I think I was projected to finish fourth, fifth, somewhere maybe between third third and fifth. Yeah, somewhere around there. Easily a playoff team. Easily a playoff team, no question. So season plays out. I stay relatively healthy. My team's looking good. My players are are doing what they're supposed to. And at the end of the year, I come in seventh place. And I was just taken aback. I had no idea – how I finished in seventh place. I, I reviewed all the numbers again. I should have been uh, a top five team in my opinion. And if you go uh, through the fan track scoring, they have the total, like the Roto scoring mm-hmm. and you were third there too. Yep. And that, that was shocking as well as if, like you mentioned the fan tracks, Roto scoring, I was third. So I knew across the board, my stats were really good. And I just, I didn't know why I was like, why was I in seventh? And I started kind of asking those questions and, and trying to figure that out. And then I remember it to this day, that text you sent me. It's like, <laughs> dude, you need to kind of punt something. And, yeah. and, and, and it never really occurred to me because I, I entered this league. I was really gung-ho. I, I thought, okay, I have, you know, Aiden who's going to get me blocks. And then I got good field goal percentage, but I'm also going to be decent in free throw percentage, I think. And, and I was just trying to do too much because I had all these different players that were really good at at each individual stats. And I was just trying to do too much. I was trying to, to be too good across the board and it ended up hurting me. And so I, I just took a, a deep look where, where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Almost a SWOT analysis, to be honest, for those of you familiar with, with that, but, um, and then just kind of went through and had to make some tough decisions, had to make some tough trades, trades that I probably lost, but it was for the good of the team and everything ended up pretty well this year. And, and we're looking good moving forward. And it, it's just really funny because you have to know your league. You also have to know your scoring system. If it's head-to-head and there's teams in your league that are punting heavily, like if, you are a, if you're treating it like a roto and you're not punting anything, you are going to lose against teams that are punting things because they have disregarded one, two, three, occasionally four categories to shore up those five they care about. And you, you will, it'll take a bad week for that team or an extremely good week for your team to end up winning those categories because that's just, that's just how it works. So we want to make sure we address the entire audience. Some of you may be rolling your eyes. It's like, duh, Chad's kind of an idiot. Why am I listening to him? 
He's learned. He finished first this year in the regular season, so his team's really freaking good That's now. right. Uh, lost in the playoffs, but we won't talk about that. Also, <laughs> I was the only team to beat him in the regular season. Won't talk about that either. But you have to know your league, and you have to know your scoring, and that seems basic, but it matters quite a bit. And so the first and, punt – go ahead. Yeah, and it can be really hard when you're – whether you're either just taking over a, a team – and like you said, you have a lot of solid players, but you don't really yeah. have a direction or you're doing a startup and you're like, wow, I'm just getting great value on these guys. And then you're halfway through and you're like, oh, I don't really have a direction with which this team. Which is fine. Though. You can, which you can is figure okay. that out after the first six picks even. So, And and we'll kind of get into that here when we start to get more specific with within these punts that we're going to talk about. So like I said, first one. Punt free throw, punt threes. If you take Giannis in the first round, if you take Zion in the first round, if you if you're sitting there at pick whatever and Simmons is on your board, or you you're just a huge Hawks fan and you just have to have Capella or Jazz, Gobert, all of those things, you're gonna be punting free throws and you're gonna be punting threes. And if you have one of those two top guys like Giannis or Zion, that's perfectly fine. You can you can decide on that punt right that second and tailor the rest of your draft accordingly. Or if you adopt a team and you have Zion or, uh, or Giannis on it, or just a, a collection of guys who are just generally bad at free throws and threes, you can punt that and just decide right there, boom, this is what I'm doing. But you have to be careful because guys who are generally bad at free throws and bad at threes don't score as much because they're not taking those Shots that are worth more points. Crazy. And if they're bad at the free throw line, they're losing out on free points there too. Crazy. So you you have to be careful to not end up losing points. And then generally big man, obviously in, in the punt free throws and threes. So then you need to be able to win assists and or steals because if you just go all big men across the board, somebody was talking about this not that long ago. It was like, oh, I thought I was just going to draft all big men. It's like they started their draft, Zion, Sabonis, Capella, Aiton. And we were just like, brother, you got to win something else because you're only going to be good at field goal, rebounds, blocks, and turnovers. He's just going to four-five everybody. (laughs) That's that's four out of of nine. Like You're going to lose Although I think if you just four-fived everybody, you're probably in the playoffs. And and, and to Rhett's point, too, the reason why when you draft a guy like Giannis, a guy like Zion, that you almost immediately punt free throws, it's not just because their percentage is bad, but their volume is so high. It's a huge difference when you're shooting 60% and you're only shooting three, fourth free throws a game. But a guy like Giannis, who's up to eight or nine a game, and he's only making four of them, maybe five on a good day, that's just going to really kill your free throw percentage, especially when he's got four games that week or whatever it may be. And it's just so difficult to come back from that. Not saying you can't because you have a full roster to build around him, but I don't know why you would want to try and force yourself to try and get better at free throw percentage when that volume that Giannis has is just going to keep dragging you down. You could do it, but you'd be fighting uphill the entire way Mm -hmm. because if Giannis gets to the line 40 times in a week and he hits 24 of them, I, you're gonna have, the rest of your roster better hit all of their free throws on the same volume, and even then you're still only getting up to maybe 75, 80%. So that's just – it's one of those things where you not only have to look at the, the percentages but also the volume of that player to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to be able to come back from this and lean into the punt and, and still be able to get guys. You might have to draft somebody who shoots threes, but they're also good at assists and steals because those are categories that you need. So you don't need to completely be allergic to those categories. 
I, I say this and I'm going to, I'm going to confess my team in the 12 team league that we're talking about is allergic to these categories. <laughs> they are. I don't think I have a single guy on my roster that shoots over 78% from the free throw line. And I think I, Drew is my highest three point maker, like 2.4 or something like that. So but I, that is a conscious decision I've made over a couple of years where the best team in our league also punts threes and free throws and they're just better at it. So I had to lean even further into the build. So that's not a, I'm telling you not to do that from experience. Uh, punting three or four categories is not great. The, the other thing about punt free throws and threes, those players, like it's mostly bigs, like we said, and those players aren't usually as valued as much. Like you've got your Hassan Whitesides, who was seventh in the league last year, who is now on the King getting eight minutes a game. Andre Drummond, fourth in this build last year. Now on the Lakers, might get 25 minutes a game if he stays there, might not even get the full MLE or something like that. But with the next punt, there's not nearly as big of a concern with that. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about my bookie because just like you guys have been asking about trades and drafting and anything like that, people have also been asking me for betting tips. And most recently I got asked yesterday, who do you got bucks or Hawks? And I felt confident with the bucks. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And so I went to my bookie. They had the best odds. I bet on the bucks and I made a little bit of money. So look at that. It worked out. I'm not just reading this from the screen that happened, but it's not just what you're betting on or who you're betting on. It's where you are doing that betting. And that's why I tell people to use my bookie. Their reputation is solid. They've got the best odds. They had the best odds last night when I was betting Bucks Hawks. They have contests and all the promotions in the business that you could ask for. They're the only place that I trust to handle my sports betting. And they're the one sports book guaranteed to give me the best lines for the NBA finals. I don't give out my stamp of approval easily to earn it. You have to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Just head over to my bookie, sign up, enter the promo code hoopball. That's H O O P B A L L and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie. If you want to add a little excitement to the NBA finals and the other sports you love and the games you bet, bet with the best bet with my bookie. So we were talking about players like Hassan Whiteside and Andre Drummond, who are just not that good at basketball. They're very great for fantasy, but they're not good. And with Trav's punt, you get all of the good players. Oh, yeah. The punt field goal percentage. I would recommend it to almost anybody. Like like Brett said, unless you take Giannis or Zion, I'm prescribing that everybody does a punt field goal percentage. And the reason that is, is it's just so easy. Like it, it opens up the draft for you to really take anybody and you don't have to worry. You can take value. You can take veterans. You, you can pretty much do whatever you want in that draft and you don't have to feel pigeonholed to be taking blocks. And we know how scarce blocks can be. We know how blocks can really move a guy who's maybe an average NBA player up the ranks in, a, in a, a startup draft or what have you. But with the punt field goal percentage, you can actually focus on taking good players you can take players who teams value instead of a guy like Whiteside, who was a top 10 player, but we knew he had really no value around the league. Right. And, and it's really interesting because the guys that are bad at field goal percentage, they're bad at it because they have a high volume of shots. 
that's the whole that's the whole idea. And that's when we were talking about earlier about Trey being the best candidate in the first round of a dynasty startup to punt field goal percentage. It's because he's taking 20 something shots a game. If he only hits 10 of them, that's still 25 points. And I guess 10 out of 20 would be good. That'd be 50%. But Trey's not going to hit 50% through for a season. So you get high volume players that have a solidified role in a team that are players teams actually care about and they want to invest in. So you know that that volume is going to be there. You know, the minutes are going to be there. They're likely going to be ball handlers. And then if you look at the night, if it's eight cat, don't even think about punting free throw and and threes. Don't do it. Turnovers is the one downside to punting field goal and you're just going to punt it anyways. But Usually when you have good players, they're going to be also turning the ball over a lot. So it's just kind of a natural punt. But if you're an eight cat, just forget about field goal percentage. I promise (laughs) you just don't just forget about it and you'll be great. But guys like guys like Nerland's Noel is a great example of somebody who's great in punt free throw punt field or punt threes because he's got great stocks, great field goal percentage, good boards on a on a permanent basis but it's such a low volume of shots that he can go two of six for a day. And then you're like, okay, great. My 70% field goal percentage from him just went down to 30%. And that's something that you have to watch out for, but you don't have to worry about that with punt field goal guys, because not only are they going to be getting a high volume of shots, which means they're going to be handling the ball, getting assists, getting steals because they play on the perimeter, getting threes, but you don't have that same issue with the low volume and the variance of the percentages with free throw percentage that you do with field goal percentage. Yeah. And and how many guys out there do we know that score points can knock down two threes a game and are 80% from the free throw line? There's hundreds of guys in the league that can do that. (laughs) And it just makes it so easy. And when you get in the later half of the draft, that to me is where it just becomes super difficult to find the punt free throw threes guys that are going to get you blocks and stuff and steals. Cause, cause we, like we said, blocks is just such a rare set. It's hard to find guys. When you get in the later rounds of a punt field goal, punt block, you can draft a guy like Evan Fournier who nobody really cares about. Nobody really wants, but yet he's going to be probably top 100, top 80 in your build. And it, it just makes, and you're getting him at like 160 in a dynasty startup, something like that, something ridiculous. It, exactly. And it just makes it so simple. The one thing you do have to prioritize, though, with a, a punt field goal is that assist steal combo. And that's something that we've kind of talked about and, and kind of picked different guys out within the drafts that have that great combo of assists and steals. And there are a decent amount of them, but a lot of them do hurt your field goal percentage. And that's the, that's the hardest part about going back to the punt free throws a little bit is I think outside of the first round, outside of players who finished in the top 12 this year, there were only maybe six guys that had above average field goal, above average assists, and above average steals. And it's like Chris Paul, DeJounte Murray, De'Aaron Fox, TJ McConnell, DeMar DeRozan, and then Ben Simmons. And so... If you don't have those guys, you're going to really struggle in a punt free throw. But if you take out the above average field goal percentage, you've got Marcus Smart. You've got just like all sorts of guys. Devontae Graham. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's way down there. Just all these guys that just get you five assists, get you two threes, get you a steal. And that's great for punt field goal because you can just go off of that volume and not have to worry about maintaining that field goal percentage. And, And just like we talked about with blocks being extremely valuable, 
and and making guys like Miles Turner the 14th overall player because he had almost three and a half blocks a game despite not getting really anything else above average. Assists are just as top heavy, but you can supplement that by volume through the rest of the draft with a bunch of guys who get four or five and then add in the steals and the threes as you go as well. Yep, exactly. And then another thing too, kind of going back to that punt field goal, because that's, that's what I love. That's, that's what I'm all about. But if I had to do it over again, <laughs> that's what I would do because it's just so easy to get a bunch of dudes who just chuck up shots. Malik Beasley, incredibly valuable as a punt field goal percentage. Frustrating. It's the consistency too, right? When you're talking percentages, you're talking, it's a weekly game, right? So you're taking a sample size from a player's whole season. You're taking like a, what, a three or a four game sample size. Sometimes less, two games even. It, exactly, yeah. from, from a whole season. So really anything can happen. But to me, free throw percentage is so much more consistent on a weekly basis than field goal percentage. And if, so if you're trying to count on winning one of those percentages, I'm taking the chance on winning free throw percentage. I want guys that have high free throw percentage because I know that's not going to vary as much as if I'm counting on field goal percentage on a week-to-week basis. Guys that are good at free throws are going to be good at free throws no matter what. It is literally a free throw. There's no contest. There's no, like, if you look at guys like James Harden, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, you could pick out whatever two, three, four-game stretch from this past season, and I can almost promise you that they were not below 80% or 75%, something like that. Like, it just doesn't happen. When you get guys that are good at free throw percentage, they're going to be good at it no matter what. The same cannot be said for field goal percentage, and that's why you have to have those anchors in both of those categories. But that kind of gets us into the last punt that you and I have been talking about. And we're not really sure. We've, we personally haven't done it. I haven't seen it successfully done, at least in our league or any of the leagues that I've been in, because it's just so easy to go punt percentages. But the punt assist, what do you think about the punt assist build? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's something I've been taking a little bit deeper dive into. Because as we mentioned, assists can be really difficult to acquire. And if you don't get assists early on, you can find yourself halfway through the draft and and somewhat in trouble. Because if you don't get at least a couple big-time assist guys early, you're not finding that stat late. Or it's going to be very difficult to find five, six assists later in the draft. You'll just stumble into it. You'll take a Darius Garland in the 70s, and then all of a sudden he'll get seven and a half assists. And you're like, oh, great, I have assists now. But you cannot... You can't plan on that. Yeah, it, it's just tough. So the way I see, the way I see a punt assist working, is mainly more so those value based drafters who are just kind of the best player available, and that turns out to be a lot of three and D wings, and, and that's kind of how I see this build is taking bigs that have great free throw percentage and three and D wings and saying these are the guys that are valued throughout the NBA, the real NBA three and D wings are super valuable and they're going to put up good numbers across the board. They're going to not hurt my field goal percentage too bad, good free throw percentage, but they're just not going to get the assists. If you look at, if you look at the rankings for fantasy basketball, you've got guys like Tobias Harris inside the top 25 because he's just solid at everything without being great at anything. And, And what you said about the three and D wings is exactly right. We talked about, 
if you took Jason Tatum in the first round, that's probably your best starting block for a punt assist, but you're not going to decide that in the moment because you could take Fred Van Vliet with your second pick. And then all of a sudden you're leaning more into a punt field goal or you take Ben Simmons and then you're probably still not deciding because that's just a weird combination of players. But if you, if you find yourself, you can take Tatum and I think Embiid maybe falls into this category a little bit just because he doesn't have assists himself, but it completely depends on, like you said, you just find yourself without assists after your first couple picks. And then you're like, okay, I guess I'll just try keeping both of my percentages up, trying to find guys who get good steals, good blocks. And then because you're get, you're likely going to have players that are on the wing three and D they're not handling the ball as much. Your turnovers are going to be a little bit low. And you just kind of build it around that, build around just kind of rotoing everybody to death and hoping that you have the steals, blocks, threes, and I guess points and turnovers somewhere along those lines to win in a head-to-head matchup. But there's a reason why these guys are so high in the rankings, and that's because they're good at everything but not great at anything. And I think that that's a really hard way to try and win a head-to-head league. Yeah, and for those that are in the bigger leagues, I know, you know, Rep mentioned some of those guys in the top ten. But if you're drafting later in a, in a twenty or thirty teamer, and you take a guy like Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Michael Porter Jr., yeah, got along those lines. I mean, they're really good players. They just don't get assists. Or you know, they're only going to get you three, four assists, and it can be difficult. And if you do that all the way down, you know, you find yourself maybe you grab Aiton, maybe you grab McCall Bridges, and now your core group. You take a look, you take a step back, take a look at what I'm good at. What is my core group going to be like moving forward? And you're missing those assists. That's okay. And I think that's where this punt kind of comes into play, where you're leaning on winning one of the percentages. You don't know which one. Maybe you win both. But more than likely, you're going to win one or the other if you're consistent and solid in both of them. And then you just have to find a way to get your rebounds up get your points up because those guys are going to get threes. And then those guys are going to get a stat that is really important in any build and that steals. This build to me seems like it's a lot more viable. The bigger the league gets because you're either reaching for assists or you're just, you're just going to forget about it. Because if, like you said, if you take Michael Porter jr at 25 in a 30 team league, and then you've got another pick coming around and a couple more, and then you're looking at it, it's like, okay, well, I guess uh, John Collins, if you take Michael Porter jr and John Collins, and then you're waiting another 60 picks, you're just probably not going to be good enough at assists to make a difference. And so that's when you decide on that, but the smaller the league gets, you're picking so often. And at the beginning of a draft, there's so many guys that are good at assists that, it makes it a little bit, I mean, you're just punting a category that some of your top players are good at, which is fine. And again, this isn't something where you need to be completely allergic to assists because you could be good enough to beat some of the good teams. If you have one of your high volume assist guys, if you have a De'Aaron Fox get four games in a week, that's 30 something assists. Like that's great. And you probably win that week, but not counting on it as a stat you need to win every single week is important. And what you said about the percentages too, we just talked about how punt free throw and punt field goal are the two most popular builds. So, you know, you're getting one of those percentages, no matter who you face on, on a weekly basis, but it's when you get into the playoffs, when it's a win or go home and you've got play, you've got teams who are 
who know their build, who know what categories they need to get. And maybe you can surprise them and beat them in, in what they think they're good at. But I don't know it. It's, I want to do it. I'm going to get into a mock draft and specifically do what I tell you guys not to do and go in planning to fund <laughs> assists because I want to see what kind of team I can construct with that in mind. And, and if you have a pun assist team out there, whether you're a 12 team, 30 team, let us know. We want to see it. We want to know how, how it's working for you and what kind of players you have acquired to, to make that build. Yeah. I would love to see that roster. I think Jonathan Isaac is one of the best, like, 40 to 50 ish draft picks that you can have for that because he's good at steals and blocks and all that stuff. But I want to see your roster. I want to see it. And I want to know how you're finishing because we just don't have a good baseline right now for what that looks like, because it's just so easy at the beginning or in the middle of a draft to just be like, well, forget about free throw percentage and give me, give me Drummond at pick 90 something, or you just forget about percentages. I just think it's so easy to fall into that. I want to see somebody who decided to do it a different way. Yep, exactly. And, with, with any of these punts, any of these builds, exactly what Rhett said, please don't go into your startup draft assuming I'm going to have this build unless you get a specific player that is tailored to that punt. You really need to go in with an open mind because you just never know what's going to happen. You don't really know who's going to be there come your pick. And if you do have any questions about builds, reach out to my man, Rhett. He's going to be modest about it. But in my opinion, there's no better guy out there. This is his bread and butter, his expertise is team building and, and punting categories. I just spend way too much time thinking about it and looking at it. And I do get a lot of questions about team building. And I feel like I have a good baseline of what it takes and what sort of builds you should be having around your core players. And then what moves you need to make in order to acquire some players that may be undervalued in the general scheme of things, but really good for the team that you were trying to build. It's, it's all those, Hypothetical Pacers trades that, that have yes, got you. exactly. The trade machine <laughs> gets me. Uh, but no. As we close up here, we want to talk about a few things that we've got coming out, and that is the third installation of my Too Hot, Too Cold, and now, of course, Just Right, as the story goes, article and subsequent podcast. That's going to be coming out in a couple of days. Be on the lookout for that. Talking about guys who had a year-long ranking that lines up with where – I think their floor is moving forward or maybe it's their ceiling. I don't know. You'll have to wait and find out. And then we also have our dynasty rankings. Travis and I made our own individual dynasty rankings completely separate. Didn't talk about it. It was really tough because we talk about everything fantasy related, but then we put them together, made an average threw some, threw some sentences in there per player went up to 150, and that's going to be posted soon. We're really, really excited to see that out there and to see what you guys think. And of course, then we're going to do a podcast about it. Talk about some of the differences and how uh, Travis likes to slight my man DeJounte. And uh, then <laughs> you might hear us argue about that live on the pod. Pretty much exactly what went down when we brought our rankings together. And we're making those arguments to move these guys up and move certain guys down. That's basically what that pod is probably going to turn into. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and then there's also going to be some justification for why we don't have guys on our list. There's probably going to be some pr- surprising guys because we only went up to 150, but there's just a lot of, there's a lot of good players out there for there dynasty. Is. And you can never have too many rankings, right? You can never be referencing too many rankings uh, when you're looking at your team and wanting to compare those players and trades and whatnot. So we hope you like those. We're excited about that pod as well. And just be on the lookout for those rankings coming out hot. 
Absolutely. And as always, follow everybody over at the Hootball family. We've got a ton of stuff coming out. We've got team-specific podcasts, post-mortems for team seasons, looking forward into next season, breaking down individual players for every, every team, what their outlook is, all of that stuff. Hoop-ball.com. So much great stuff coming out. Find me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. Find Travis at Travis underscore Fuller 92. And we would just love to have more and more questions. And then please give us rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your entertainment from, because the bigger we get, the more exposure we get, the better we can do, the more questions we get, and maybe even the more episodes we can put out. If you guys just give us a ridiculous amount of questions, we might even start doing a weekly mailbag pod, just answering your guys' trades for 30, 40 minutes at just, straight that's we would love we would love to do that absolutely (laughs) that would be that would be beyond exciting and if you have questions on more about what we talked about today uh if you have team specific questions about builds punts things like that please let us know if you don't have a direction if you acquired a team and don't really know what direction to go in we'd love to hear the questions that you might have we'd love to take a look at your team and and try and help you out and, and get you to that championship we just want to know. We just want to know what your team is. That's really it. We're just really nosy and, and want to know everything about everybody that listens to our show. Again, thank you guys so much for checking in with us, and we'll see you again next time. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.